0: It's my great pleasure to welcome one of the greatest sports broadcasters of all time. You know what a big soccer fan I am, and I'm a huge, huge fan of Andres Cantor, who works for NBC and Telemundo, and we're getting ready for our first Winter World Cup coming up in uh, Qatar here, Uh, Black Friday, USA versus uh, England, of course. Andres, welcome to the show. I got to meet you when I was working at the World Cup uh, in uh, 94, just for a second. And I got to shake your hand. And and for me, that 1990 World Cup, uh, when you were doing it with Norberto Longo, um, some of those calls still resonate in in my brain. Uh, How how much of that seems like yesterday to you or seems like a long time ago?
1: It does, Rick. Thank you for having me on your show. And I want to shake your hand again. I've never been on a show where the talent uh, threw a tennis ball at a donkey. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) How are you? I'm good. Uh, They they resonate, uh, obviously, because, uh, first of all, the the World Cup was here in the U.S. Uh, I got to call every single match of that World Cup on television, which uh, was uh, definitely challenging. And there was so much excitement, if you remember, uh, around you know our country uh, everywhere with the World Cup. So it was great to see that soccer was uh, getting into the mainstream of of America.
0: I got to meet the late great Norberto Longo at the Oakland Coliseum about 25 years ago, and I asked him a question, and that was in at Italian 90 in the consolation game between England and Italy. When David Platt, you said, Dorigo Centro de Platt. And right when he hit it, I thought I heard Norberto whisper the S-word because that meant you were going to have to stick around. And I asked him that, and he just laughed and laughed and nodded his head. He's like, yeah, I said it.
1: Yeah, he he probably did. He was, uh, (laughs) you know... he obviously had his own persona, his own way of, of seeing the game. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he interjected into my goal <laughs> a couple of things. But I, I can't remember exactly what he said, but I'm sure he said something.
0: Well, you know, I I remember at um, the '86 World Cup, Norberto was working with the the guy that I kind of grew up with, Tony Tirado. And uh-huh. that was back on scene before it was Una Vision. And then when you took over from from Tony, that had to be really exciting that you were the guy for the Copa Mundial.
1: Well, it was definitely uh, incredible, uh, not only because I was following, you know, Tony, but the, the fact that um, I was able to call, like I said, both in 90, 94 and 98, all of the games uh, of the World Cup, which is, like, pretty much unheard of these days. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't think... Uh, not even the 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 network with the least budget would have one single person call fifty four games or sixty four games. <laughs> you know how many there are. Uh, that was truly incredible.
0: I remember at ninety four, it was. I think it was maybe ABC. They were doing a feature on you, and you said, "I don't think in the history of broadcasting, a rival network would do a feature on the other network, like promoting me." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah that that was uh definitely incredible that was a great piece done by armageddon on uh abc's newscast on the weekend and actually like you said uh you know they were broadcasting the games themselves and they had a feature on on what we were doing in spanish and how we were uh getting all the audience so that, that was amazing
0: So I think about all your great goal calls, and I'm obviously a fan of America, but I'm a fan of my heritage, so I like Inglaterra and Alemania and Dinamarca. And one of my favorites was at Sweden 92 against Germany versus Sweden. Tomas Hassler stepped up for a free kick, and your goal call (laughs) went on. You were like, "Oh, Hassler! I mean, it's just that I still get chills. Every once in a while, I'll just go on YouTube and, and watch like that, your call from that. And that passion... You love this game. You can't fake that kind of passion, can you?
1: No, you can't. You really can't. Uh, You know, sometimes I get asked why did I yell the goal uh, longer for one country or one for one team uh, over another, and I always say that you know it just comes out naturally. I have a lot of passion and a lot of energy that I bring to the broadcast, and uh, I, I don't make any preferences. There are many things that. Make a, a good call stand out against another, which is you know the type of goal it is uh, if it's preceded by you know 20 touches be, before the goal, mm-hmm. the importance of the minute of the goal, the importance of the goal itself into uh, you know the, the tournament that they're being it's being played. So there are many many things. So yeah, uh, you can't fake a goal call. You have to have it in you. You have to be you have to have a feel for the game to be able to to do to call the game the way I, I call.
0: No doubt. A couple more questions for the great Andres Cantor from NBC and Telemundo getting ready for the World Cup here, which is just about 100 days out. Um, being, um, you know, Argentine, and, and I I remember the way that, uh, and of course, Argentina was the defending champs in, in 90, and when you would do the introductions and you would get to number 10, you would go, Diego. Diego. Armando Maradona. <laughs> it's just like you are almost like fainting it was just the greatest introduction you threw in the middle name too
1: well thank you so much i mean you have such a, a great memories of, of those days yeah i mean you know diego was obviously my biggest I- idol brick and uh you know it was like Uh, you know, buffered us on on the boxing matches. I I elongated his first name, his second name, his last (laughs) name. He was that great.
0: So I always wondered with, uh, of course, in in 86, the hand of God goal over Peter Shilton, and of course backed up by maybe the greatest goal in World Cup history. And in Argentina, do they look at the hand of God goal as like, ooh, we got over uh, a fast one there? Or do you look at it like, no, 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 that's a perfectly good goal?
1: Well, back in the moment, uh, nobody, I mean, I was in the stadium covering it for an Argentinian magazine and and nobody uh, saw that I was with the hand of God. Uh, And then, you know, that's the way soccer was played back then. There was no VAR. I mean, if you could take an advantage, obviously that is called that advantage is called cheating. It wouldn't pass in today's uh, soccer world. But I guess it, it you Know, I, I know the English fans will not agree, but uh, that's the way the game was played back then. I mean, not, not everyone scored the goal with a hand, but uh, <laughs> it just gets past it, got past England. And for us, for, for Argentinians, it was perfectly fine because of what it meant to score a goal of that magnitude with that trickery and I guess that that foul play against England because that game was very emotional because of uh the Falkland War sure. four years uh, earlier. So it was a, a big, big game for for Argentina.
0: Yeah, and I'm a Tottenham fan. about Ricky Villa and Ozzy Adiles at left mm-hmm. Spurs and then came back. And later on, I got to meet Ozzy, who's a fantastic guy. Um, I wanted to ask you, too, at Italian 90, that England team, I mentioned, you know, that plat goal, but, you know, Lineka, the goal that, you know, in the semifinal against Germany, equalizing... They had a, a guy on that team, of course, by the name of uh, Paul Gascoigne. Gaza, one of the great characters, kind of like the Toto Skelachi of, uh, of of England, but just a, a masterful uh, player uh, as well. Just could do everything on a pitch. When when you get a character like that, how how fun is it to call games with guys like that?
1: Well, it's it, it's awesome because uh, you can expect the unexpected with players like that. Uh, not only from a skill uh point of view, but you know you'd never know what Gaza would do on the field. I mean just like lay lay down and 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 I don't know fake an injury or or carry his team to to the next level and uh, he was such a talent on and off the field um so yeah, it's definitely fun to to call the games of, of players that don't have a script that just literally go out of script you know how, however rigid. Tactically, their coach might be, there's, all, there's always a, a lone wolf that will do whatever he wants. And even though he wasn't exactly that, uh, you know, he was so talented that he could change the game by himself.
0: Mm-hmm. And then that Sweden 92 final, when, of course, Denmark wasn't supposed to be there, it was Yugoslavia. And then because of the war, Denmark was. Called in, and uh, you know the the Russian team was the Commonwealth of Independent States. It was very weird, but uh, uh, Denmark beats Germany in the final. And uh, I just think about the, the the passion of the calls you made, and Jensen, and some of those other goals in that in that final. Was that maybe the the biggest upset that you've seen in a major tournament, or you know maybe Greece over Portugal that Otto Hoggle team? What was maybe your your biggest upset that you called?
1: Probably uh, Denmark winning that Euro Cup mm-hmm. uh, was one of the weirdest stories. It threw all the all the books out the window because, you know, every other team had to prepare two, three weeks in advance. They were in camp all together. They were uh, practicing all their tactics. They were, you know, in the hotel rooms without going out. And then here comes Denmark, all the players right out of the beach, uh, you know, they were on vacation, they get called up, and they end up winning the tournament. So that had, has to go down in history as probably the, the biggest upset and the big, the biggest unexpected winner of a major tournament in history, definitely.
0: And very deserving, a recent inductee into the National Soccer Hall of Fame. And uh, how surreal was that for you?
1: It's still surreal. I mean, up to this day, uh, just remembering uh, when my name was called to go accept the Golden Media Josie Award as an inductee into the National Soccer Hall of Fame was—it's it, just—it just gives me chills every time I think about it. It's gonna be almost a year now in October, and I, I just cannot be more grateful for the committee that chose my name and and inducted me, and just to be there and, and be part of of American soccer history is just something like oh, it just blows blows my mind. It's it's nice. For my family to, you know, to, to go in that building and, and see my name and, you know, for all the soccer fans to, to go there and see my name as my very small contribution to the game in, in our country.
0: Last question for you. As I mentioned, Qatar, Qatar, whatever we're going to call it, a Winter World Cup, it's sure going to be different, um, but you got to be looking forward to it as well. We don't even really know the stadia or the cities. It's all new to us, and I guess it'll be new to you too, huh?
1: Well, I've been there many times already since uh, 2018. As soon as the World Cup ended, I visited Qatar Mm -hmm. minimum four times. This is going to be a a great World Cup in the sense that you know, nobody's going to have to travel. The players will get there with 25 games at the most in their legs, which is, it will make a total difference to the older players and to everyone, I guess, in general. If you think about the summer World Cups, Messi, Ronaldo, Mbappé, all the big players mm-hmm. uh, would have played 60 to 65 games uh, on their European season. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they will ha- get there with 20, 25, it's going to make a huge difference. Deal of difference from the type of quality of play that we should expect. Uh, teams will be much fresher. They will not have to get uh, you know on a flight anywhere. They'll just stay in the same base camp all tournament long. For the fans, it's going to be great because they could watch whoever goes. is going to be able to go watch at least two games, maybe three in a day, which is unheard of. Mm. Um, and the country is uh, very interesting. The temperatures are going to be uh, great um and uh, all in all i think it's it's going to be a, a very very good world cup by the fact that it's being played in, in november december
0: it's coming up pretty quick here in the fall the world cup and guitar of course andres cantor on the call nbc sports and Telemundo. talk about surreal interviewing you and hearing your voice thank you so much andres i'm a huge fan as you can tell
1: Well, thank you. Yes. Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much for for having me on. And I think we're going to put together, we we have put together a great team of of broadcasters, World Cup uh, analysts, former coaches, national team players, referees, two women coaches. Uh, You can have a better broadcast and more comprehensive broadcast team as the one that Telemundo put together for their coverage on Telemundo Universo and Peacock, by the way. So, I know you have a lot of uh, soccer followers, Rick, and I invite them all. They have an option, but the option, you know, football is better en español.
0: That's right. That's the way I watch it. All right. (laughs) Muchas gracias, uh, mi amigo.
1: Un abrazo, Rick. Thank you.